Fred Ricciani, TSC News. We have right here on the line a special guest. We're going to be recapping the year in pro wrestling, going over the biggest stories of 2019, heading into 2020. I got my main man. He's known as Global Ed, a.k.a. Ed Molina. He's a podcaster of his own, an astute observer and fan of professional wrestling. He's from the New York area right here, contributing to public service, doing some great things in the city, and he's here to help me recap all things 2019. Ed, what's going on, man? Hey, how's it going, Fred? Thanks for the invite. Much appreciated. Uh, shout out to my dude Fuzz and Fuzz Freak Show on Blog Talk Radio. Uh, yeah, pretty much uh, more from a sports podcast, so pretty much just kicking it about wrestling, you know, a lot of different angles. So, you know, Fuzz is more the fan perspective where I'm more kind of like, but the business side fascinates me as much as what's going on in the ring so you and i both worked at spike tv when they had impact wrestling around the same time yet we never crossed paths until earlier this year when we saw each other at a ring of honor at madison square garden which is pretty crazy after all these years but it was good to run into you and who knew that would be the high point of ring of honor maybe for the rest of the time let's i think the biggest story is that aew came into existence it was confirmed january 1st 2019 i remember going live here on tsc at 2 a.m in the morning after watching being the elite and talking about it we were unsure about all these different things but we knew a few things we knew that tony khan the son of shad khan was involved we knew that reportedly 100 million dollars was allocated to startup AEW. we knew they were linked to tnt we knew that they were going to get big tv and we knew that the elite the young bucks Kenny Omega and cody rhodes were a part of the whole deal but we didn't know what would happen from there and hey Let's start with the good. They've drawn some ratings. If you include yes. DVR ratings, they've done anywhere between 1.2 to 1.5 million, which is huge for a new startup company. Mm-hmm. They have sold out shows. They've even drawn, mm-hmm. not sold out some shows, but still drawn around four or 5,000 people, which, by the way, folks, is more consistently than TNA Impact Wrestling ever did over the course of 15 years. I think their biggest uh, crowd was like maybe six, 7,000 people. At, Something at, like that, yeah. yeah. So that's pretty incredible. Now, on top of that, they've done, what, three pay-per-views that have been at an average of 100,000 buys, which is more than TNA ever did, which I think is yep. even more than ECW ever did, to put it into perspective, and even more than some late WCW pay-per-views before that promotion died. So that is all good. Yet here we are, heading into 2020. By the time y'all watching this, it's 2020. And creatively, logistically, they do seem a bit in disarray 12 weeks into this AEW experiment. Where do you grade AEW right now going into 2020? I'm a little more optimistic. It's been it's been clunky. It's been stop and go. They've had uh they've had some great moments. I think the Cody Rhodes versus Dustin Rhodes was a, a good highlight for them. I think introducing the Lucha Brothers to a bigger American market outside of like your Lucha Underground fans and, and your Lucha fans, uh that's been pretty big. Um you know, it, so there's been a lot of highlights and stuff to work on. On the production side, there's a lot to be said for. Like, I think people that know way more about production have been very critical and rightfully so of, of you know, even even story building. It's like Kenny Omega's his worst booker. Like, you know, however you feel about New Japan or Gato, like he knew how to book uh, Omega. And maybe that's that's more a testament to how great Okada is, but still like Kenny Omega is better than, than how he's booking himself. And I, he says he's not, but you know, and, and maybe that's part of the problem. I understand that they don't want writers per se, but 
you know, wrestling is still like comic books or, or even Shakespeare or even just a play. You got to, you're telling a story and there's a certain basic structure of story, beginning, middle, end. And, and sometimes it's, sometimes being in different places at the same time works. And then there's days where, you know, I wasn't as down uh, on that ending to that last live uh, AEW as other people were, but I get it why they're mad. I think, I think the problem is that because they're backed by a billionaire and because of the WCW legacy and, and the success of ECW, we're kind of measuring AEW on the ghost of other brands instead of letting them go through their growing pains. And part of that is is the Twitter mob, like, you know, in, with any stands in any business, they're, they're going to be loud and vocal. And in a way, the Bucks and Omega have put themselves in a hole being about the fans. Well, sometimes the fans aren't the best bookers. And so I think they're just trying to figure it out. They don't have a Paul Lee back there who did, you know, uh, ECW. They don't have an Eric Bischoff. How do you feel about Eric Bischoff? He had experience in ESPN. He had experience at AWA. Like he's an old school AWA guy. He was their announcer, if I'm not mistaken. And and so he kind of had a mind for it. And and I think somebody's got to step up kind of in that role. And I don't, maybe it's Arn. You know, um, yes, maybe it's Arn. Maybe that's what they needed Um, enough. He's been around Vince long enough to know what works. He's also been around Dusty as a booker to know what works. He knows Cody from being a booker at WWE. So maybe it's Arn. Maybe that's a solution, but they're missing something. And I I think for the most part, they've leveraged the ratings. uh, They've leveraged the buzz. That was the thing that impressed me. Like you had, you had Andrew Yang shouting out Cody Rhodes. You realize how insane that is. Like, think about a president. If you'd have told me in '86 that I'm aging myself, that a presidential candidate, a picture of Walter Mondale shouting out Mr. T and Hogan at WrestleMania, like that's how insane it was. You had Andrew Yang shouting out, uh, "Hey, good luck on your, you know, on your debut show." Um. I think part of the part of the difficulty was getting off the ground. Boom, they got off the ground, and, and now it's a, a matter of building on the successes they have. That's going to be the key. They have a lot of good successes. They have some really really good talent there. Um, maybe aren't they need just they need some sort of direction with the booking, and I don't know where that's going to come from, considering almost like the indie vibe that they. They're trying, it's like they're trying to be big time in indie at the same time. And in the indies, I understand, you know, the fans dictate, that's how you get a Joey Ryan over. You know, I don't get it. I ain't knocking it. My man's getting paid. You know, shout out to Joey Ryan on that. But I don't, I don't get that suplex thing, <laughs> you know. Um, and yet they're trying to appeal to Joey Janela's crowd as they are to disgruntled WWE fans or fans that think are disgruntled. So, cause there's that, there's always going to be that comparison with the biggest dog in the yard to take range you know term that that's wwe that's been doing this for longer you know so it, it, it's it's i think they're in the right direction but the criticism is valid it's valid and, and not everyone's gonna get orange cassidy you know <laughs> you know I, I don't know I, but i think they're headed in the right direction man that that's some good insight that's like it's almost like you covered this stuff ed now <laughs> 
I am somebody that has been very critical of AEW. I want them to succeed. I think it's it's great for the business, and it's been so long since we've had a legitimate threat. They're a bigger threat than TNA was. This is the biggest threat WWE's had since WCW. Not so much to put them out of business or anything like that. Nobody wants to see WWE go out of business, but just to create an alternative, a viable, potentially profitable alternative. But I, I've just seen a, a lot of missteps. You, know, you mentioned before on social media. It, it seems like constantly Brandy or the Bucks, who have now deleted Twitter, uh, or Cody Rhodes are getting into some flame wars with certain fans or trolls. And I, I think they should ignore them when, when they're the execs of the company. I, I saw AEW recently tweet when they claimed they signed Chris Statlander that they, they called her Cat Statlander on the graphic and they had to retweet it. Uh, I think almost thrice. It was, it was kind of ridiculous. And then, speaking of Chris Statlander, there's a show, and by the time you guys watch this, it'll have aired already, where they, they booked Chris Statlander, who's a, a rising a women's star for them, taking on Riho, the women's champion, for the world title. And they promoting this match, building her up as a contender. And then they randomly decide, you know what, we're going to book a four-way instead without Chris Statlander because, oh, by the way, it turns out that she has an independent wrestling booking that mm. she has to fill. And the fact that nobody checked this and, and, that, and that nobody said, hey, you know, let's figure this out, let's maybe delay this match a week, it kind of boggles my mind. Instead, she's doing this indie booking with Bar Wrestling, which I believe is run by Joey Ryan, and they're booking a four-way with Riho and Hikaru Shida and a a couple other women who, by the way, were not ranked the number one contender before. They say wins and losses matter, but now they're doing a random four-way. I get that they're trying to be transparent and say, hey, it's our our F-up and we screwed up and yada yada, but I feel like it would have been easier if they just maybe sent another talent to Bar Wrestling or... Maybe just thrown some money at the promoter and said, hey, you know, we're sorry, our bad. Or, you know, just delay the match. And it's like you said, I feel like they're trying to cater to two different crowds. They're trying to cater to that indie niche audience. And at the same time, you're also trying to present something new. And in some ways, I feel like they're capping their audience. You know, they're, they're at the moment, NXT has started to win the ratings battle. But when you break it down, right, these, these two shows are essentially splitting the market share on Wednesdays. And they are splitting what used to be the old Impact Wrestling rating on Spike, which was like 1.5 million, 1.6 million, somewhere around that range. So <coughs> while this is good for wrestling fans, I feel like both, really both brands, but particularly AEW, are catering more towards fans that already exist as opposed to creating new fans. What do you think about that theory? I, I, I'd agree with that. It, well, with NXT, it's kind of fascinating because it's, it's funny how... NXT can be owned by WWE and the WWE universe can not know that brand exists. It, and, and the fact that they've spun it into a third brand that started, it, it's still to some degree developmental. It has been, talk about turning, you know, chicken crap into chicken salad, as Brock Lesnar says in a much different, you know, <laughs> manner. Like, it, it and, and to have it, draw the audience that it's doing and yeah you're right it is that old impact crowd that was looking for something new uh you know it, it it's i you know I, I i give them credit to that and and the thing is it's like it's still under the wwe umbrella like it's almost like they're giving the fans that were disgruntled with wwe something new to watch but still wwe branded uh you know um we'll get to i think a lot of that has to do with johnny wrestling i think a lot of that has to do with adam cole I know there's a lot of folks in the forefront before, like Neville slash Pack, and 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 Charlotte and Bailey that that kind of help elevate NXT. But 
I think keeping Gargano there and, and Adam Cole, who you see so much of, of Shawn Michaels in him, and he's working backstage. That's not an accident. I think I think Shawn Michaels sees a lot of you know himself in Adam Cole. I, who I had is, is well, actually Buzz had his wrestler of the year. Um, you know, that's kind of been amazing. And then to put what has been an offshoot against an upstart, it, it's almost like sending, you remember the Transformer uh, Soundwave? Yeah. So you remember he had the cassettes? It's like he sent Rumble and, and Buzzard <laughs> to go at AEW. Like, he didn't even send Soundwave. Like, yo, chill here for a moment. You know, let me go send, you know, Rumble. And and it's it it's... It's created more revenue for WWE as if they weren't already making money hand over fist. And again, this is much like combat sports. It still is prize fighting at the end of the day. It's, you know, what's best for business. And and for all the knocks WWE, you know, they're, they're, again, the biggest dog in the yard. And I think that's what AEW's got to get over to your earlier point about, you know, the Twitter mob. You're trying to appeal to people that are never happy. And I'm sorry, there's a segment of wrestling fans that get on Twitter. It doesn't it doesn't even matter if it's Ring of Honor, which okay, they kind of deserve a lot of criticism. You know, impact. It doesn't it doesn't matter. It's just a set of fans that are always just gonna be miserable. Like, why cater to them? I actually think the Bucks getting off Twitter was the best thing that could have happened to them. I'm serious about that. They they help build a brand through Twitter, but like everything with the Twitter world, what goes up they must destroy. And and so maybe them getting off of Twitter is what's best for the creative process of AEW. Maybe Cody needs to get off of Twitter. I understand he's got to sell the brand or whatnot, but let Joey Janela do that. He's got his fan base. Let Darby Allen do that. There's guys on your roster. You know, Sammy Guevara, you know, he's killing it on how he's using social media. It's a lot like Tyler Breeze, but shoot, you know, in this business, it's a copycat league, you know? You know, one person's RKO is is Tomatonga's stun gun, so... <laughs> You know, but I think, and this is inescapable for AEW, they're always going to be compared to that big dog in the yard because of that billion dollars that they have. They had real money. That's when you knew these guys weren't messing around. When when they got Tony Khan and that Khan brand, you know, however you feel about the Jaguars, they own a soccer team in 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 England, you know, I, you know, they, they, they have success in the sports world. They had ends. You knew they... Cody was no in the Bucks and, and Omega were no longer messing around. And so it's now now what happens with the partnership, who knows? I don't know. I had issues where, you know, NBA on TNT they did a promo where LeBron and A D looked like the Heart Foundation and um the Greek freak looked like the ultimate warrior, and I forgot the other one looked like Captain Oh yeah, Stack. yeah, I, you're ta- you're referring to uh, the NBA on TNT account. Tweeting out uh, like kind of like a, like a like a funny meme or whatever picture, uh, a, a kind of like a cartoon of these NBA stars dressed as WWE wrestlers when they're the ones that have AEW on their freaking network. No, I lost it. I lost it. I'm like, yo, that is what a blown opportunity to have the Milwaukee Bucks and do like have the, you know the Greek Freak and I, I didn't know I don't know who the other player was, but dressed like the Young Bucks. I think I think too it's uh, because they own Bleacher Report. And Bleach Report still does cover WWE and has a lot of uh, media access with WWE. It, 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 I think sometimes I think it's, you, you got to tiptoe that weird line. You know what I mean? Like you have AEW, but at the same time, you know your Bleach Report has a very big wrestling section. I mean, I'll, I'll say this: like you talk about Twitter, that that was posted on social media 
there's still a smaller segment of the audience on TV. And on TV, they did promote AEW with Chris Jericho, although he didn't have yeah. Charles Barkley get a dig in on uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, he, he, had, he asked Chris Jericho, so uh, tell us about AEW. He's like, well, you know, I was approached by the ownership of ja- the Jacksonville Jaguars. And he's like, that's not saying much. <laughs> <laughs> well, they got the issues, and that's on Tom Coughlin as a Giants fan. I kind of know how that goes with the. Uh... Tom Coughlin has a way of doing business that's kind of antiquated in today's NFL culture. That's for another podcast for another day. So yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I think they, I, th- I think there, there's just some quality. You know what it is? Quality control. That that's yes. the phrase that that needs to stick with AEW throughout 2020. Quality control. They have talent. Okay, they got the goods. They have a unique presentation. There's a lot of color, and and the arenas are very well lit. And 95, 96% of the time, the crowd is super hot for everything they put on there. It comes off like a hot product. But at the end of the day, you need some more creative consistency. You can't have, uh, you know, one day uh, this team beats the Bucks and then they lose the next week. And then you, you book Hangman on page and, and uh, Pack and, and back-to-back matches when Hangman just got a big singles win. And then you do an MJF promo where he reveals he hired the Butcher and the Blade, but you put it on Twitter. Uh, and then you keep MJF <laughs> off TV for for one week, and then Riho's off TV for several weeks, and yeah, it just, you know it's just kind of a mess. There need there really needs to just be some quality control, some linear storytelling. Uh, they're going all over the place. And, and to your point about how the Bucks and Cody and Kenny are are losing a lot and quote unquote putting over a lot of people and trying to give the shine to other guys, they got to establish themselves first. I don't yeah. know if it's arrogance or just uh, misreading the market or whatever the case may be. But while they are draws to an extent, they are not draws to a te- uh, they're not proven draws to a television audience. They're still relatively new, particularly the Bucks and Kenny Omega in North America. That's not an insult on them; it's just what it is. Same deal, Adam Cole before he got an NXT and Johnny Gargano and all these guys. You know, they got to be on TV for a while. You got to do these video packages. You got to hype them up. You got to give us reasons for us to care. And one of the prime reasons, one of the easiest ways to get people to care is by having them win. And when often, when Jim Ross is saying that the Bucks are the best tag team in the world and Kenny Omega's the best, and then they lose, that makes Jim Ross look bad. And I'm not the only person that's brought that up. I've had friends right. in the business have brought it up. I know uh, a few other people have, have brought it up in, in the industry. Uh, j- j- just in, in general, it's just quality control. The talent is all there, but it really does come off that they're, like they're booking week to week. And I think with some of the silly gimmicks too, it's cool if people like Marco Stunt, if cool if people like Orange Cassidy, but I think that stuff should kind of be in moderation. You know, yes. it shouldn't be front and center because I, th- I think when you do that kind of silly comedy and, and you have some things that are hard to explain, like, Hey, let's have a random four way for the women's mm-hmm. title. You come off more like WWE. And when NXT comes across less like a WWE product than AEW does in recent weeks, I, I think that's a problem. The only person in that Stadlander situation that the only person I don't put any blame on is Stadlander. Cause she's just looking for a payday. She's, you know, she's been busting her ass in the in the indies for so long that she probably wasn't even thinking of it. She was thinking, hey, oh, oh, man, like, this is a big opportunity. And they're putting me over right away. Like, I'm getting a title shot right away. And honestly, I thought the build was okay. And then it kind of deflates with these little hiccups like, oh, snap, she double booked. And I know people would probably blame her for, like, but, you know, when you've been hungry for so long, sometimes in the ex- excitement of signing that big deal and – Look, you know, for some of these, you know, for some of these folks, like, I don't think Orange Cassidy ever expected to be on a platform like TNT. That's not a diss or disrespect, 
or however you want to say on Orange Cassidy, I love the guy. I want to be Orange Cassidy when I grow up. <laughs> but, you know, it, it's for him. This is the most people that have ever seen him do this thing. And now he's on GIFs or GIFs that are that people are using all the time as, I don't care, you know. Eh? It, it's, you know, uh, and so, you know, I get that sometimes the rest is thinking what's best for business for them. People can trash it. But at the end of the day, it's like nobody did their homework. She, uh, maybe she doesn't have an agent. You know, um, this is a business where sometimes it's, you know, they're negotiating their own deals. Or, or you know what? Maybe, maybe, just maybe, uh, to compare AW TNA, that d- those deals that are quote unquote exclusive aren't really all that exclusive, which, yeah. you know, could, which could leave them uh, prone to having talent getting poached by Ring of Honor or New Japan or WWE. Right. I mean, shoot, you got Jericho and Moxley doing Wrestle Kingdom. And holy crap, that that stipulation. That came out of the blue. The if, if uh, Tanahashi wins, he gets a t- AEW title shot. I thought there was a problem between those two companies. There's, I don't, you know, and maybe maybe they're just messing with us. Maybe this is all a work. Maybe we're all getting worked. I don't know. I, I completely even forgot about that. Then there's, you know, you don't know who's with, you know, uh, you know, AAA. I, I I think the Lucha Brothers are with AEW, but I also know they do AAA shows. You know, um. And so maybe you're right. Maybe it's a situation with TNA that maybe contracts aren't as exclusive as they seem, which is fine. If they're going to operate like a bigger, more well-funded indie operation, I don't want to call them that. But if that's the route they're going to take, cool. Okay. That's going to lead to more situations like this with, with Stadlander because I was, I was kind of excited for that. Now it's like, eh, a four-way, Okay. You know, like uh, that might, you know, and that's something you noted earlier. And that's to like Rio hasn't been on TV for a while. I've seen more of Awesome Kong than I have a Rio. She's a champion. And we haven't seen a package months on. You haven't given me a reason to care. I like her in the ring. She's no Io Shirai, but I like her in the ring. But, but you know, but you I, mentioned that too. Sorry to interrupt. Like the packages, no, man, the hype videos like that. that and, and to be fair, NXT for the first few weeks didn't do a great job of that either, but they've gotten better over time. Like, we need some hype videos. We need a reason to care about these people. You and I follow wrestling pretty closely, and even you and I aren't familiar with everybody they throw on TV on, on AEW Dynamite, right? I mean, no. what happened to the vignettes? I get that some of that is done on being the elite, but I'm, I'm sorry. I got, I can't even watch Major League Wrestling like I want to watch it because I only have X amount of time in my day, let alone the vignettes, the, the side stuff like being the elite, you know, and... and I, that, it's funny. I watch. I watch with. A, I watch wrestling with a friend who is always open-minded about the product she sees in front of her. And one of their biggest complaints is, "I there's no reason. There's no package. There's no reason for me to care. Why should I care about Riho? Okay, you did that for Britt uh, Britt Baker, but yeah, you know what I mean. It, it's they they do it for some they don't do it for others you don't do it for your champions it goes to the inconsistency and maybe they need like an Arn Anderson again i go back to like a lot of wcw success is because they had a guy like eric bischoff kind of you know when he was on when he was lights on he manned that to a different much stratosphere where you have carl malone and rodman headlining a pay-per-view and then you know you have you know someone like Paul Heyman, maybe you don't know how to manage money, but the man can tell a story. And ECW was successful as much for cornball stories about Raven and Beulah and and Tommy Dreamer. We gave a damn, you know, because of the storytelling. 
And, and you know, the problem with there was just, you know, mismanagement of money. You know, give Paulie the book. Don't give him the books, I guess. <laughs> you know, and I love Paul. That's, that to me is like my sports business sensei. I, I, I love studying sports business and, and he has a unique mind for it. And you just don't feel they have that. Kenny Omega hasn't been able to do that. Cody, whoever's doing the booking, I don't know if it's the wrestlers themselves. I know at one point, George, I don't know if it was a work. George Janela was complaining about it being kind of rudderless. But there's something that's just lacking. They have a lot of good stuff to build on. They've developed a ferocious fan base. They managed to cobble a lot of that anti-WWE sentiment in, 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 in their direction. And, and they have, you know, they have mainstream attention. Um, you know, they got they got Blink-182 to being in one of their being the elite videos, for Christ's sakes. But it's it's just weird. They're missing that one, I guess, quarterback. It doesn't have to be a story writer, like a Hollywood story writer, like, you know, WWE does. Maybe, maybe it doesn't have to be an old school guy like Dutch Mantel or, or, or you know, Retreads or, uh, God forbid, what's-his-face, Russo. <laughs> yeah, you know, but they're missing something that Bischoff that 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 Vince or that that you know Heyman in the booking department so right and, and I think too something to note uh, what from based on what we know based on uh, multiple reports and everything uh, particularly from the the rap.com I think it was the one that originally reported it T, the TNT deal is an ad based deal so they're from what I understand outside of maybe some production costs that we don't know about TNT is only paying AEW, I think, an ad revenue split. They're not getting a guarantee. Whereas WWE, you think for NXT, is getting tens of millions of dollars for that. And obviously yeah. they're getting hundreds of millions of dollars for Raw. And they're getting upwards of over $2 billion for SmackDown over the course of five years from Fox. So you look at that guaranteed money. And while AEW is doing relatively well on pay-per-view, while they've done all right on, on certain live events, and they are running smaller venues that don't cost as much to rent as, say, NBA arenas. And while mm-hmm. they do have a rabid fan base that does buy merchandise, that does consume their content on YouTube, which leads to ad revenue and, and some other revenue streams, uh, the reality is they're not getting the biggest revenue stream that can keep a company alive in today's pro wrestling, which is TV money. And you wonder, while they are a great deal for TNT, will TNT get to a point where they say, you know what, okay, we, we recognize there's, there's viability here. We're not just going to air some commercials and maybe occasionally have them inside the NBA. We're actually going to pay them a guaranteed fee like Spike TV did with, with Impact and, and you'll eventually with the Ultimate Fighter. Or they're going to say, you know what? Hey, it's cheap programming. We're content leaving it the way it is. And could, you know, is it possible that maybe AEW, I don't want to say could fold, but dare I say within a year from now, look for a new TV partner if they're not getting a guarantee? I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing if they go looking for a better deal. There's always a need for content. Uh, with so many digital platforms out there, with so many channels out there, with you know ESPN Plus, it, it's there's always going. Look, somebody still TNA is still popping up. I don't let me not disrespect them because Impact has been doing some decent stuff of late, but Impact is still somehow alive and kicking in some way on television, um, and that hasn't been you know we that that you we've witnessed it you know to a degree the highs and lows. Of, of that company. I don't, I don't, as long as they don't get mismanaged like that, I think actually they can flex a better TV deal so long as they put a solid product and prove that they have consistency in bringing in X amount of fans. If they can keep these numbers up, 
and show that they can generate this much revenue. Maybe maybe that doesn't work out with uh, with Turner, but you know, like I said, there's always somebody looking for content. I'm not saying they end up on pursuit, but you know, it, they need to end up on a channel that people are actually going to watch. I mean, let's keep it real. The reason t- the reason Impact is kind of in business still right now is because they have a billionaire that. Doesn't have a great history of running running networks or entities, but I, I think he actually even inherited that money. But yeah. you know, but regardless, you know they had but, a, but, they literally had to buy a TV network and access in order to kind of stay alive and stay semi relevant. Like I, I can see someone like maybe you know there, there's there's enough networks out there where if they put up enough revenue for TNT that maybe they can leverage that into a better deal. You're, you're always looking for a better deal. Now that said. You know, for TNT, this is like easy money for them because it's like they're. This is more pluses than minuses. It's content. Um, it's 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 not a marriage. It's more like you know we're still you know it's it's more like they're steady. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not even an engagement ring to be honest. Like it, it's it's uh, you know we're still we're still filling each other out, getting to know stage. It's so there's there's a lot of pluses for them in this. Maybe they're even testing the waters for how much they want to get into wrestling. But if, if that helps keep them afloat, you take what you get. I'm okay with that. You know? Yeah. Better sure. you know, better to be better to be the stepchild at TNT than the darling of pursuit. You know what I mean? Yeah, like and you know what? I I think too if 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 TNT was able to throw them a few million bucks, you know, I would think it's probably still be cheaper to produce AEW to an extent than, you know, invest in a whole new scripted program i mean i could be wrong but i would imagine like i would imagine dynamite you know paying like x amount for dynamite five million ten million a year for dynamite might still be cheaper than say you know funding a show like walking dead right i mean walking dead that's you know you're talking about you know sci-fi can get pricey you know maybe maybe a show like claws is cheaper to produce and you know but this is still this is still content where it's it's you know for them it's low risk financially it's not like the wcw days where they were just throwing money jesus christ i don't think it's ever going to get in the financial sense. i don't think it's ever going to get that big again i think as far as fans this is a golden era because we have options with new japan we have options with aw we have options with wwe network if you're into the indie scene there's apps like fight app that show you anything from joy ryan's penis party to Ring of Honor, you know, it's I. It, and the thing is, I'm not even being facetious when I say that Joey Ryan pay per view because that's that's wrestling in 2019. Whatever, whatever, whatever you're into, it's out there. That's why I think funny and sad that the Bucks are listening. Or, or I, let me rephrase that. Let me walk that back. I think it's great they got off Twitter to get away from that bitter wrestling fan, whether it's that holdover from the Attitude Era. Or the holdover from the rock and wrestling era that just just watches to be miserable. Where do you see AEW a year from now? I see them as probably breaking even because it's still a startup. Um, that's if that's a good year with the gates and the merch and all that. Um, I see the storylines improving, and I'd like to see the Kenny Omega that had seven star matches return. And I don't I don't care against who, you know. Um, but I'd like to see that guy back. Oh, maybe he misses Ibushi that much. Who knows? I, I don't I don't know what to say. But he's the other piece that they kind of need to shine. And this isn't, you know, jobbing jobbing isn't the way. And I understand they're trying to build some, but yeah. You got to build, you build yourself up first. And yeah, I mean, I, I think, 
I mean, I hope they're around in a year. I, th- I think they will be. Uh, I mean, it, it's tough. It's they could very easily be just another show. You know, they could very easily slide into that TNA Impact territory from the mid two thousands, where at first it was a hot, shiny new thing in wrestling, and then it's kind of like, all right, like this is a show. It's cool. Some days are good. Some days are bad. And you know, I think the wrestling quality is higher here um, as far as like week to week because of you know the competition with NXT. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's tough. I think I think for me, it, it all depends on if if they get that quality control. If somebody's the big boy in the room and says, "Listen, like yo, we we gotta short things up," and, and I think it's I think it's just a matter of you know, and we'll talk about this too. I think if they can come to a deal with New Japan, if people can put egos aside, come to a deal with New Japan, work together, uh, try to take a more serious approach. You know, try to take more of the approach that Cody and Jericho have taken with their programs where mm-hmm. it's a little more serious. There's some comedy there, but it's usually a little more serious. It's almost always logical. It makes sense. Sto- easy stories that we could follow. You know, you can have the high-flying stuff. That's cool and everything. But um, it's not even just about the in-ring style. I think it's just about following the stories. You can have whatever style of wrestling you want if the stories make sense and there's a good payoff at the end, you know, and it's mm-hmm. engaging characters, engaging promos. So if going into 2020, they can do more video packages, do more human interest pieces, even at the bare minimum, do what UFC does where they show the same generic video package before each fight. I mean, at least it's yes. something to make us care about these people. Uh, I think over time, I mean, look, they're already way ahead of the game and the other people have come on the scene and for as short of a time as they've been around, if they can shore up on these things, I think they'll be all right. And then it's just a matter of do you know, something they can't control at the moment, which is TNT eventually paying them a guarantee. Yeah. But, uh, you know, at the very least, I think they'll still have good matches uh, whether or not there'll be logic that accompanies those good matches, that remains to be seen. But obviously, uh, we both wish them the very best. Well, that does it for the All Elite Wrestling Year in Review for 2019, AW Year One. I hope you enjoyed that discussion with Ed Molina. You can check out more of his stuff on blogtalkradio.com slash the Ed and Fuzz Show. And if you haven't already, stay tuned for our WWE Year in Review. It might even be up by the time you listen to this. We also have an interview with Joe Theismond, college football Hall of Famer, Washington legend, coming up very, very soon. Plus, wall-to-wall coverage of Royal Rumble, the NFL playoffs, UFC with Conor McGregor and Cowboy Cerrone, and much, much more. I want to sincerely thank everybody for supporting me with our biggest year yet, 2019. I want to thank everybody for supporting me this last decade. That's right, TSC in some capacity from a blog site to a YouTube channel to a TV show has been around for over a decade now. This has been a a labor of love for me. Uh, I've experienced a lot of growth, a lot of highs, a lot of lows. Overall, a, a positive experience. Many friendships formed. I don't consider you guys my supporters or my followers. I consider you all my friends. So thank you so much. And for anybody you know that has not subscribed to this podcast yet, please spread the good word because it helps our cause. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. We're pretty much everywhere you can find podcasts. Plus, of course, we're on YouTube.com slash Sports Courier, Facebook.com slash The Sports Courier, and Instagram.com slash TSC News. Our IGTV is at TSC News. Thank you all very much. I hope you have the best year yet. Let's make it happen. Positive outlook, positive mindset, nothing but winning and big results. Until next time, everybody, as always, enjoy the matches.